Hey everyone, it's Stephanie from True Crime Anonymous. I just want to tell you about this app called Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it is everything you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. True Crime Anonymous may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, true crime addicts. I'm Stephanie, and we're going to jump right into the story tonight because I want to lay this down so I can lay down because I'm a tired little girl. Okay, so our story today starts with a woman named Stacy Castor, and she's calling 911. This is August 22nd, 2005. She's frantic, saying that her husband locked himself in his bedroom. He's been there all weekend. He didn't go to work on Friday. He's, you know, he was drinking, not acting right. Then she needed the police to come and check on her husband. She thought, you know, she heard him snoring throughout the weekend, but he just wouldn't come out because they had a seven-hour argument, and he grabbed a bottle of Southern Comfort, and went to his room and that was the last time she heard from him on Friday so the police come and Stacy is visibly upset she's like she she's crying she's shaking and she tells the police listen he's got a shotgun I don't know. I heard him snoring, but he won't come out. I'm worried. Please just do something. So she waits outside, and the police go inside, knocking on his door, pounding, no answer. So they decide to kick the door down. When they enter the room, they find a man named David Castor lying across his bed, face down, naked and unresponsive and so they immediately try to do life-saving procedures and the cop runs out to get uh, one of the paramedics and Stacy's like is he okay is he okay and he's just simply the cop just was like listen no no he's not and went back in and when they entered the room they noticed that there was a glass filled with a green substance there was another glass filled with something else there was a bottle of brandy and 
a bottle of diet cranberry juice and an empty bottle of antifreeze underneath the bed. The police also find a turkey baster in the trash and it smells of alcohol. So they take that up, bag it up for evidence, they bag everything up for evidence and ask Stacy, like, what happened? And she claims that they had like a seven hour argument over vacation. Every August, they took off two weeks and went on vacation, but the two daughters that belonged to Stacy, not David, um, one of them was starting school and the other would be a left, left alone and she didn't want her left alone. So she wanted to bring her and they literally argued for seven hours over this. And that's when he took the bottle of Southern Comfort and went in his room and shut the door. And that was the last she really ever heard. She was going to leave, but, you know, every time she said that she was going to leave, he's like, if you leave, I'm going to I'm gonna kill myself. So she claimed she didn't leave, but she left him alone and just kept checking on him, knocking on the door occasionally. And she didn't get an answer, but she claims that she heard him snoring. See, Stacy and David, they had a pretty good relationship. You know, they argued, but they had a good life. They lived in Syracuse, New York. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Lots of hills and trees. And he loved, David Castor loved the outdoors. He loved to fish and hike and uh, ride four-wheelers and just be outside with nature and... He provided security for Stacy. He had his own HVAC business, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. And they just, you know, it was their second marriage for each of them. And it was kind of like a second chance for both. And he treated her like a princess. He had a son from a previous marriage. And she had two daughters from a previous marriage. Um, It was alleged that he said that he had a kid and he didn't want any more kids and didn't treat them as good as he should have apparently but I guess we'll never know his side of that but so he gets taken out of the house all the evidence is bagged up and she tells police that David was depressed his dad had died and just you know he wasn't the same and so she it's just as of right now a suicide unfortunately and you know she plays the part of a grieving widow and people that knew David just were like this doesn't make sense it just doesn't make sense he he didn't want to kill himself that's what everybody was like this does not make sense and you know, why with antifreeze, you know, like, (sighs) David worked in HVAC and knew that antifreeze would be a horrible death, it's long and painful, and apparently you just don't kill yourself naked either, I, I can imagine that's true, because why would you want your butt cheeks out 
you know, that's the last vision that everybody's got of you is your naked butt cheeks. It just doesn't make sense. I didn't, I don't think that if somebody was going to kill themselves, they would be naked. I think that if you were going to kill yourself, you'd at least wear clothes that you liked or maybe that were special to you or whatever. Just clothes, some sort of clothes. But he was butt naked and that didn't make sense either. And this detective, Dominic Spinelli, he was from the Bronx. The Bronx. He was the the lead detective on this case. He was a good detective. He really saw things differently than other people and saw things that weren't adding up. He just really took a great look at this case. And the police just dig. And they find that Stacy had changed David's will to leave everything to her and her two daughters, but nothing to his son. And David's first wife said that if that's not the original will, he would have left something to his son. And his son thought maybe he was mad at him. Maybe he did something wrong, but he did nothing wrong. Stacy just changed the will. And... The evidence comes back about the glass with the antifreeze in it, that green liquid, and there were three fingerprints on it. Like someone was holding the glass from the bottom with their three fingers. Like I'm doing it right now, but I know you can't see me. I just don't know how to explain it. Like when you hold a glass from underneath with three fingers, look at me. Can you see me? Yeah, it's kind of like you have a ball in your hand and you're throwing it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Curveball. But those were the fingerprints locations on the glass. And all three fingerprints proved to be Stacy's. Now, if he committed suicide and he drank the antifreeze out of the glass, why would her fingerprints be on this glass? And the turkey baster... That's weird. I know. Um, Don't let your mind wander. It had alcohol in it. And it had David's DNA just on the tip. (laughs) Like I said, don't let your mind wander. But on the tip of the turkey baster were... Was his DNA. Anyway, Stacy ends up getting $50,000 from the life insurance policy and renovates her home and just kind of goes on with her life. And they want to interview Stacy's first husband and they can't find him. And it actually turns out that he's dead. Her first husband, Michael, is dead. And they find that his grave is actually right next to her second husband's, with Stacy's plot in the middle of the two. Michael is her first husband, and that was like her real true love. They were inseparable. Like, she knew five minutes after they met that she wanted to marry him. They had a nice small wedding at home, and he was just larger than life. And Stacy says, 
quote, when he was good, he was good. But when he was bad, he was bad. And claims that he had a drug and alcohol problem. But despite that, they have two kids. Ashley is his, their first daughter. And Bree is their second daughter. And she was like daddy's princess. And everybody kind of saw that. That he treated Bree a little better, I guess. You know, that's the baby. That was his baby. And, you know, Ashley noticed it too, but claims it didn't bother her at all. But eventually their relationship is, you know, strained because they work opposite shifts. He's a mechanic from 3 to 11. Stacy is an ambulance dispatcher in the morning from 7 to 3. So they never saw each other. There was affairs. And, um, you know, they wanted... To, he wanted to divorce, but in December 1999, Michael gets sick and he starts staggering around and, you know, has like walking issues and talking issues. And then he kind of like takes a turn for the worse. And Ashley one day gets home from school, calls her mom. Hey, mom, I, I you know, I made it home safe. And she notices like her dad is on the couch making funny faces and he kind of like sticks his arm up and then like his arm goes down and she's like well, you know what the hell is wrong with daddy you know and she's like well I gotta go get my sister from school so she leaves and while she's out getting her sister from school her father actually dies on the couch alone and they deem him to have had a heart attack and he was only 38 and apparently Stacy was happy with that she well not happy but she was satisfied with the diagnosis of a heart attack and says no autopsy like he wouldn't want that I don't want an autopsy and he gets buried so she gets 50 grand life insurance from that too takes the girls to Disney and spoils them and you know then it was just like the three of them and they got real close and she had told the um, investigators that Michael her first husband had all sorts of medical issues but they got his medical records and they were like there was like no medical records except that he had a hernia once that's normal stuff i have a way more extensive medical history than him and i'm alive so they the investigators want to exhume michael's body to do an autopsy because when you are killed with antifreeze, the antifreeze goes in your body and forms crystals in all of your organs. And those crystals never go away. So they kind of needed more than a hunch to get the body exhumed. It's not a normal thing that happens, but they did convince the district the district attorney did convince the judge to let his body be exhumed just to see if he had these antifreeze crystals in his body and at this time it's September 2007 and they do the autopsy and the investigator calls the medical examiner and asks if the results are in and he's like actually I was just about to call you and Michael's organs are loaded with crystals 
He said it looked, the medical examiner said it looked like a gold mine, lit up like a Christmas tree. So now Stacy is looking at double homicide and police re-interview her and Detective Spinelli says to Stacy, Stacy, there were two glasses. Do you remember which glass you poured the cranberry juice into? And she says, quote, when I poured the antifree, I mean cranberry juice, and she stops and he's like, whoa, 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 you said, you just said antifree. And she's gets, she's like, no, I didn't. And she gets all angry. She's like, this interview is over. I want a lawyer. This is done. So he's like, fine, whatever. And he gathers up all his pictures from the, you know, off the table that he was, you know, in his file and showing her. And she sees a picture of the turkey baster. And she's like, whoa, you know, why do you have that picture? And he's just like, none of your business. Um, Interview's over. Sorry. So at this point, Stacy is frazzled and she calls her girls and tells them, like, all of these things that just happened. But the police are on her. They have wiretapped her phones. They have cameras, like, outside of her house, at the gravesite. She makes an extensive amount of phone calls. She actually goes and sees... She had her daughter go and see if they actually exhumed the body. And a few days later, it's Stacy's, I mean, it's Ashley's first day of college. She is, you know, really nervous and she goes to school and she's she's getting through the day, but here come the investigators. The investigators pull her aside and they're like, "Listen, your father, Michael, did not die from a heart attack. He was poisoned with antifreeze. And so was your stepfather. Your mother killed both of them. And she's like, no way. This this can't happen. Like, I, I, no way. My mom didn't do this. And she goes home. And, well, she calls her mom from school first. And she's like, mommy... They came to my school and told me that you killed Daddy and and David, and she's just beside herself. And then she gets home, and Stacy's like, "Listen, Ashley, we've had a rough, rough day. We've had a rough week. Let's." let's drink let's get drunk let's just forget it all and get drunk and an 18 year old girl she's like cool like my mom wants to drink with me sure let's do it let's get crunk you know is crunk still like a word oh wait let's get lit right is that more appropriate more trendy so ashley and her mom get lit and stacy pours her one drink and Ashley drinks it. She feels tired and lethargic and just goes to bed. She's like, I have school tomorrow. Like, I'm feeling a little bit buzzed. Is buzzed a word? I don't know. She feels a little bit drunk. 
and she just wanted to go to bed. She wakes up with kind of a hangover, but she goes to school the next day. She has a short day. She comes home, and it's not even noon, and her mom's like, hey, you want to do that again? Let's let's just drink. Like, we have had such a hard time. Like, let's just get lit. She's like, okay. And Stacy pours her daughter a drink. And she's like, Mom, this, this tastes horrible. And she's like, go get a straw. And when you take a sip, put the straw all the way into the back of your throat so you can't taste it. And she's just like, all right, sure. I guess that's like a drinking tip because the alcohol is strong. Sure, she didn't know. She was like 18. And so she's starting to feel a little woozy and goes to bed and Ashley her is like near death when her younger sister Brie finds her in the morning trying to wake her up she's like Ashley Ashley like oh my god and there's a empty bottle of vodka like a big one a suicide note and a bottle of pills and she's like mommy mommy and Stacy calls 911 Yes, this is this is a real story. This is happening. And Stacy's like, "Oh my god, my daughter has taken some pills and there's a suicide note and I need help. I think she's dead." And she left a letter and she's her eyes are open and Bree says she looks scared and you can hear Stacy on the 911 call saying, Really, Brie? An entire bottle of vodka? I mean, Ashley. Really, Ashley? An entire bottle of vodka? Really? Really? And she's like, she left a letter. And the cops get there, and the the ambulance takes her away. But she doesn't die. And she's out of it for a good 24 hours, and she wakes up. But when she's out, the cops let Stacy see her, but with supervision, because we all know what happens when Stacy gets near you. Things start going wrong, so they they babysit her while she sees her daughter, and the la- all she says to her is, "I love you. I'm sorry," and walks away. Like, what are you sorry for, bitch? <laughs> What are you sorry for, woman? And the investigator, when Ashley wakes up, she's like, he was like, why did you want to kill yourself? And she's like, I did not kill myself. I did not do this. I swear to you on everything, I did not do this. And so now, investigators are like, this is crazy. And Stacy's outside smoking a cigarette at the hospital, and they arrest her right there. They they've had enough of Stacy. She's just she is poison. She likes poison. That's her her stuff. So she's arrested at the hospital. This is all over the news. The grandmother, Stacy's mother, thinks Ashley did it not her daughter because the suicide note was not just a suicide note it was also a confession saying that she killed her father and she killed her stepfather 
And Stacy is literally saying that her daughter, Ashley, did these things. The whole town is just buzzing, like going crazy, talking about it. Like you couldn't go to the grocery store without hearing about this case. It was everywhere. I can only imagine. And in 2007, Stacy contacts a defense attorney named Chuck Keller. He was brand new brand new. This is like his first homicide investigation and all that. And they go to the home and they search everything. And in the basement, in an old box, they find letters that Ashley had written to a boyfriend talking about suicide, how she was jealous of her sister, how she was just wanting to die. And they used that in the trial. That was like one of their biggest things that Ashley had said that she never tried to kill herself or never thought about it. But she lied because this letter was saying that she wanted to kill herself. And she's like, well, I didn't. You know, I was young. I was stupid. I didn't know. That's just something that some, some kids say. People say it all the time and don't mean it, you know? So... Now it is mother versus daughter. This is January 2009, Syracuse, New York. A brutal cold, dead of winter. Like, with the snow, it is silent, like, eerily silent. But it's mother versus daughter. And they had to present three cases to the jury. David, Michael, Ashley. There was only two actual charges, but they needed to put David, the first husband, I mean, Michael, the first husband, in the mix here because she killed him too, apparently. And the DA puts the daughter, Ashley, on the stand as the first witness. And it was a pretty bold move. He wanted to set the jury and give them a picture of who Ashley was. And this this trial was huge it lasted four weeks 50 witnesses autopsy results for david autopsy results for michael forensic results there was a lot and the day before this was about to end they decided to put stacy on the stand and it was such a dramatic scene stacy is just cold and unemotional and the prosecutor when he's questioning her is screaming at her he is enraged he is just upset that she's a killer in his mind she's a killer she's trying to kill her own daughter like what type of person does that and he's screaming at her while he's questioning her and the defense attorney is like objection like judge why are you allowing this and the judge is saying I'm I'm allowing it and he allowed the prosecutor to scream at Stacy and he did and she just sat there no emotion no nothing and they were talking about the suicide letter that was next to the bed when they found Ashley it was typed and in the letter, she keeps she keeps using antifree, and antifree is something that Stacy would call antifreeze. 
And no one else said that except her. Ashley called it antifreeze. Everyone in the other everyone in the world calls it antifreeze, but there's certain people that say certain words wrong sometimes and she just happened to call it antifree and she typed it that way. So there's one thing and when they were bugging her phone, she's talking to her friend and you can hear someone typing. Well, that's her. She's typing. She's typing the suicide letter while she's talking to her friend. And they match up the times with the time that the suicide letter was written on the computer to the time that that phone call was made. And that was actually her typing the suicide letter. Stacy typing the suicide letter to frame her daughter for killing her two husbands. Sick, sick stuff. And that's it. The jury goes out to deliberate. And... An hour goes by. Two hours goes by. And finally, the jury comes back. And they kind of gave Stacy a look. And everyone was trying to figure out what that meant. Was that Did that mean that she was guilty or not guilty? And the whole place was silent. It was packed in there, but silent. And count one. The murder of David Castor. Guilty. Count two. Attempted murder on her daughter Ashley. Guilty. And she, Stacy, sat there just cold, no emotion, while her daughters and everybody else just started crying and breaking down. And it was finally done. Ashley was not guilty which some people actually thought she was, including her own grandmother, which is sick, I think. Um, so a month later is sentencing, and it's packed in there too. Ashley stands up in front of her mother and gives an emotional speech. And Stacy never showed any emotion to that, never looked at her, nothing. And then they carry her out you know they walk her out of the courtroom and that's it and Stacy I mean Ashley is just kind of left with these questions like why did my mom do this to me why you know how could a mother do this to her daughter it it's really horrible and she actually was doing Stacy was doing an interview with ABC while this was all going on <laughs> and she sat down again with AB News, ABC News after the sentencing and she was still denying it all. Still saying that she didn't do this. And saying that she planned to appeal. And so they finally get David Castor a nice headstone in 2016. And, you know, it's got dirt bikes on it and a fishing pole. And it's just really nice. And Ashley graduates from college. You know, life is going on. But Stacy's life didn't. Karma caught up with her. And at 48 years old, she died of natural causes. I don't know what natural causes were. But in my mind, the natural cause was karma. 
these are this was just a horrible horrible case and as a mom it really bothers me that she could sit under oath and look at her daughter and blame her for something that she did just horrible and um according to one source that i was reading it says that stacy's dad jerry daniels was hospitalized in 2002 for a lung ailment and he was getting better he was going to be released he had a discharge plan and everything and stacy visits him she's got a coke coca-cola in her hand it's open you know just a can of coke walking in to visit him and then the next day he suddenly just dies and no one really thought much of it i guess until all this came out and they were investigating that but she passed away so i don't know if they continued their investigation but i'm she probably did it um what else would have happened i mean she is evil and she is in a special special place and that concludes episode three stacy castor have a great day my true crime addicted people make sure you like us and follow us on spotify and become a monthly supporter you can click on the link in the description and like i say become a monthly supporter that would help us out greatly also follow us on facebook just search in the search bar for true crime anonymous and give us a like on facebook and share 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 and get the word out that we are a brand new true crime podcast and hopefully the store story is better than the last and hopefully they will continue to get better and hopefully like i didn't say like a hundred times like i did like last time have a good day